Welcome to Masters of Employee Development, Mike Acker's podcast devoted to training team members in any type of organization. As a best-selling author, corporate trainer, and business leader, I seek out guests each week to discuss training successes, challenges, and best practices. On this show, you will hear from incredible CEOs, HR directors, and other experienced managers responsible for leadership and development. Lean in, listen, and take part in a community dedicated to improving life through increasing leadership. You are up for a trip today. We go all over the place on this episode in a really good way. So it's not crazy rambling. It's structured, but it's fun. So grab a pen and paper. Get ready to take some notes as you learn from Jonathan Kendall. Welcome to Masters of Employee Development, Mike Acker's YouTube segment devoted to training team members in any type of organization. Your host is a best-selling author, corporate trainer, and business leader. Find out more about Mike at MikeAcker.com. Each episode, Mike welcomes a CEO, HR director, or other experienced manager responsible for leadership and development. Together, Mike and his guest expert discuss training successes, challenges, and best practices. Lean in, listen, and take part in a community dedicated to improving life through increasing leadership. Now, here's your host, Mike Acker. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on it with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, before we dive in, I love that you are outdoors for our call here. I know that yeah, you're I'm in, uh, I'm in Puerto Rico. Man, that's the great thing about virtual work right now, right? For sure. The opportunities. Well, tell us a little bit about you and your company now, and then maybe where you worked at before. Yeah, so my name is Jonathan Kendall. A lot of people recognize me at various events and on podcasts and YouTube. Um, from MentorBox. So I was a CEO of a company called MentorBox and sort of a competitor of Audible, except we did video books instead of audio books. We spent a lot of money on paid advertising with my face on it. So you might recognize me from there. Um, but currently I'm the executive director and co-founder of a company called Virtual Worker Now. Um, so we have over 350 employees in various countries um, around Southeast Asia, Eastern Europe, and the Middle East. And we provide outsourced digital marketing services for e-commerce stores, uh, digital marketing agencies, and executives. I love it. That's great. And with 350 employees, you have to have be thinking about all kinds of ways to develop them, to keep them going. Because obviously the goal in anything is not to keep people just the way they are, but we want to develop people so they develop the product. So tell, tell me a little bit before we dive into some specifics about employee development. Tell me about a time where, whether it's at MentorBox or in your current role, you had your hands on in developing someone. Tell me that success story, uh, a little chance to brag on somebody. Yeah, so I would say that I've accomplished one of the greatest feats for any entrepreneur, which is to hire a CEO to replace themselves. And this is a common problem amongst entrepreneurs. They feel like I'm the chief executive everything officer, especially in the beginning of the company. But as you scale... Um, you know, I've felt like it was important to build an executive team and in particular a CEO. And so our CEO was hired on as an executive assistant for one of our clients. So she was one of the first 20 employees in the company when we were just getting started. 
Um, and very quickly, we realized that, you know, she was uh, an incredible talent. And so it moved up from uh, assistant to team leader, to supervisor, to manager, to COO, to uh, CEO. And, uh, you know, we have a private training with her, uh, you know, me and my co-founder all the time. I mean, at this point, she's teaching me things all the time, but, you know, we, uh, we have coaching, group coaching as well. Um, and, you know, we're always in chats together and just, you know, making sure that we're, we're constantly coaching her up. Uh, but she is kind of one of those examples of someone who's so smart and so um, ambitious with her learning and, you know, sharpening the saw that very, very quickly, um, she was able to acquire all of the skills necessary to, to run the company. So we're really proud of her. That's incredible. And, and that's really what this is all about. That right here. Like, I, I mean, I get excited about that. I get kind of bouncing because I think a lot of times we, we get stuck and kind of the old model is you are where you are and you, you might get up the corporate ladder, but you might not. And now my whole thought is, man, if we can help people succeed, it will help us succeed, even if they don't stay with us forever. Of course, in your situation, that's even better. How did you recognize the potential in her? Because sometimes we don't even recognize the latent potential in people. Yeah, I would say that their ability to very quickly um, exceed whatever their KPI is. So there's always going to be some baseline KPI for whatever the position is, or at least there should be. Right. And then if someone, <laughs> and if someone very quickly not only meets that, but also starts exceeding it. And then this is really, I think the most important thing is if they start suggesting ways to improve the KPI with systems or you know, SOPs or with other team members or with software or whatever it may be, such that they can start solving a more interesting problem and they bring that to you without you needing them to, without you needing to tell them to do that. And I'm, I'm a really big fan of Naval Ravikant. He's the founder of uh, AngelList. And he says that you only have to hire for three major things. One is integrity. Um, and then two is your ability to learn quickly. And then three is, he calls it energy, but another way of thinking about it is ambition. And I think that if someone is just okay with hitting their KPI, clocking in and clocking out, that isn't necessarily a red flag that they're a bad employee, but it certainly doesn't... Uh, it doesn't make me feel like they're going to you know, take the next level. Whereas if someone very quickly is like, wait, so I know that I'm supposed to do this this way in theory, but if I do it this way instead of this way, and then I do it this way instead of this way, and then I do software, and then what if we had someone else do this? All of a sudden we can 10X our productivity. Do you mind if we do this? Those are really great questions from employees because the answer is, of course, yes, let's be more efficient with less time and less money. And if you do that, if someone does that, I highly recommend, you know, seeing, giving them a chance at the next level. And then if they can do the same thing at the next level and, you know, every plateau and eventually you reach a limit where, you know, eventually sees the CEO, at least in this case. I, I want to come back to this issue of pride here in a moment, the personal pride that, that this can run up against and grab a hold of the hunger right here. What happens if you have a team member or teams, or among the 350 employees you have, what happens if you're working with someone and you don't see that drive, that ambition, that hunger? How do you develop someone like that? I, I start with, you know, beginning with the end in mind, the second habit of highly effective people. And we talk a lot about being 
self-aware, you know, Gary B talks about this, about your goals. What, what really is your, your North Star? And if your North Star of your life is to clock in, take care of your family, pay your bills, put 10% into, you know, S&P 500, you know, index account, and, you know, 35 years later, retire, then that's okay. Honestly, I think that, well, just to be clear, there's going to be softwares and various things that you're going to have to keep up on. But as long as you're loyal and you do your job and you're okay with it, then I don't have any problem with that, right? It's, um, I remember my high school teacher from a history class, my senior year, he said, he might be wrong now, but he said, you have to have people that work at the gas station and that's okay. And you should respect them, right? They're part of society. They're doing a job for society and there's nothing wrong with that, right? But if you're going to be promoting or if you're a fast growth firm, then being able to delineate or distinguish between those people who are okay in their position and they're not willing to really push and the people, you know, maybe the 20% of your team that they are ambitious and we say, Hey, you can, here's the steps to do it. Um, I think it's okay to not have people that are, you know, all crushers so long as you're able to distinguish the 20% that are. I think this is a great point because sometimes we, we kind of make it either or, and yet here over here, you've got someone who's maybe not a crusher in terms of team development, team leader. Some of the people yeah. I work with and kind of coaching them in their careers, they, they feel like they're thrust into, they got to be a high performing manager, but they're not yeah. a manager type person. So what can we do as HR, CEOs, other executives that oversee people? What can we do for people who they're not going to be the CEO? They're not going to be a manager, but they do their job really well. Any thoughts on yeah. just rewarding them and motivating them? Yeah, I think that, you know Warren Buffett says that his number one uh, his number one job when he takes over a company is to redo this incentive structure for the executives and the middle management. And just by redoing the incentive structure, a lot of the times by incentivizing the right things and de-incentivizing the wrong things, that can do most of the work for you. And that's what I would suggest. I would say. You know, if you don't want to be thrust into this super high pressure, you know, leadership role, that's fine. But you do have to give them some some predictable way of improving their salary or whatever it may be. So I think that's a combination of having something you know, in writing that at a performance review every six months or a year, this is you know, your potential for increase in salary. Here is also if you know if you're eventually going to be you know, a publicly traded company, if you're really at that level. Here's a potential options, you know, bonus structure so that you can be, you know, part small equity owner, or here's a profit sharing model that if the whole company crushes at this level, then, you know, this is going to be distributed amongst everyone. And also, by the way, you know, one of the variables is going to be loyalty. So if you stick with us for 15 years, you get a bigger piece of the pie. So a lot of it, I think, is just incentive structure. I think that's a great point. One of the reasons why a lot of the engineers that I've had a chance to work with and their communication and their leadership, they, they're, they're motivated to become a manager, not because they necessarily want to develop people, some are, but because they want to pay. They, they've done a yeah. great job as an individual contributor and that they want yeah. that pay raise. And so they feel like they got to go into something that's not, that's not great for them. It's not going to be great for the company, but they're thrust into that because the incentives are wrong.
when you're looking at incentives and changing incentives, any thoughts on creating systems or any thoughts that someone who's listening go, man, you're right. I need to do something that any, any takeaways right there that come to mind. Yeah, I would say that there's two, two things. One is uh, getting people to buy into the reality of the business. So by this, I, I say this to my team all the time. Um, this a really great book, Business Made Simple by Donald Miller says that your value in the world, you know, he, he says, imagine a number on top of your head, right? Whether that's you know, your business revenue or your individual salary. He said, if the world is fair, and it's not always fair, but over time, it really is a, an, a, a marker for how much value you're giving to how many people, right? And if you're giving more value because you're solving more difficult problems, then each individual person will pay you more, obviously, right? If you are, or you're solving a problem that maybe isn't that difficult, but you're doing it at scale, right? Then obviously the world will pay you more. Right. And so Naval Ravikant also says this. He says there's three ways to kind of leverage yourself or your business. One is through more human capital, which that would be if you want to be a leader. Now you're giving more value because it's not just you giving your time. It's you and your team giving time. Right. So you're actually giving more value because now you have this team. Another is capital. So that's like investments. We can kind of move past that. And another is software or media, basically infinite scalability. So if you're really good at software or building systems that uh, make the company more, re more revenue or reduce costs, then obviously you're more valuable as well, right? So I, I try to tell people, like, just do the math yourself. If you, are, if you have a team of 10 or 20 people, of course I'm going to pay you more because you have more influence, you have more leverage in the world. If you're crushing the software that no one else knows and you're the linchpin, then of course I'm going to pay you more because you're making the, the company more money. So let's just be firstly self-aware that there is no fair. It's just, you know, you input a dollar and I'll give you back five or 10, depending on how much value you're giving, right? So that's, I think, step one, which again goes back to this idea of self-awareness, right? And then step two is say, okay, well, if you don't want to be a leader of people, then you're probably going to have to give more value using systems or software yourself. And I, I push them into that quarter. I said, you're not going to be an investor in the company. You're not going to leverage capital. You're not going to be a leader in the company. You're not going to leverage people. Then the only thing left is media or software. So you got to, here's your, here's your opportunity, right? You want to be two, three times your revenue, then solve an interesting problem for the company using, using software or media, and then I'll pay you more. So it's kind of just like getting them to buy in with the, the first principles, right? And yeah. then, because oftentimes people will think, oh, it's not fair. And it's like, what's fair? It's like, just think about it from my perspective. First principles, you know, we have an income statement. We have revenue, you know, minus cost, minus marketing equals profit, you know? Just think about it that way, especially engineers. It's like, they're good with the math. Just, and now, you know, if you are, if you're inputting this amount into the company, plus you're using the software, the system, of course, I'm going to pay you more. And I think that gives them a little bit of an out. I think this is great to think about from both angles. So if, yeah. if someone's listening and going, I want to be developed, I want to grow in my career. The other aspect of my leadership I do is those people who want to advance their career. And then this is for the people who are advancing employees' career. So if you're listening, yeah. you're thinking, man, I want to advance my career. I want to make more money than even grabbing a hold of what Jonathan's talking about here is can you can you raise people up 
or what interesting problems can you solve? And there's all kinds of great stories about someone who comes to the higher ups and say, hey, let me do this right here. In fact, some of the interesting startups that are well-known come from somebody who pitched an idea and the higher up said, no thanks. And so they went out and did it over here on their own yeah. and then knocked it out of the park. <laughs> Absolutely. And then on the opposite is look for those people if they're not management quality, but they're really good at solving problems, put them on the hard to the hard to answer problems. I, I think that's incredible. What do you do about the inflated sense of worth? So someone is on the team, they're, they're wanting to move up and it's the American Idol syndrome. They think they got a great voice. They think they have a great value, but they don't. What's your approach to those kind of situations? Yeah, we generally use the Netflix model. So the way that Netflix does their hiring and promotions and salary negotiations is they pay 10 to 15% above market value. So they have a whole team that says, this is what this person, you know, general, this type of person with your resume and your skill at, let's say, you know, Universal Pictures or Google or, you know, depending on the department that they're hiring for. They said, this is the standard salary. We're going to give you 10 or 15% to start. And we're not going to negotiate until you have an alternative offer that's more. And then when you have, they encourage them to literally get offers. And they say, if you have an offer that's above that, then your direct manager and the manager above them will decide whether or not we think that you're worth fighting for. And if we do, then we'll match it. And so they kind of just keep it real simple, right? Where they say, do you think that you're worth that? Then prove it on the open market. And if you can prove it on the open market, we'll either fight for you or we won't. So that's, I say that to all of my employees. I say, I encourage you because we owe, we definitely pay more than you know the our uh, competitors and all of the countries that we're in and we know it. And so we say, well, listen, if you can get you know this salary, then let us know, show us the offer. And if we want to keep you, we'll fight for you and we'll match it. And if we don't, then congratulations. We're super excited that you crushed and you got this incredible new opportunity and we wish you well. And, you know, let's have dinner one day. And that's, okay. that's incredible. I, I love that idea because then right there, you're, you're saying it's not what you think you're worth. Yeah. It's what you know you're worth from this. And of course, yeah. we all know that every single person is worth the inherent worth of humanity, but in terms yep. of dollars and what to pay, it, you got you got to show it. You got to show your ability to perform. Okay, let's go back to pride. When you're developing people here, it, there's there can easily be a sense of injured pride when they start suggesting changes and start looking at something. So how do you how do you? Well, let's take it in general first, and then let's go personal. <laughs> you you yeah. told me beforehand you can ask anything. That, that I want. Of course. So we'll target it into you afterwards. But let's go general first and say, how do we as an HR community, leadership development community, how do we make sure that pride is not getting in the way of in building people up? And then we'll take it personal. So we have a series of core values. And it's interesting when we hire, we hire for English first because we hire a lot of um, outsourced talent. So, you know, the first uh, is English, you know, is, are you fluent? And the second one is actually a culture test before we even 
uh, take a look at their skills or their resume. The second one is a culture test. So they take a course on culture and uh, core values, and then they have to take a test. And if they fail that test, they're, you know, that's the end of their application. And the number one core value in our com company is, um, I'm a big fan of Ryan Holiday, and it's ego is the enemy. And for me, that's um, so powerful because I think that the most successful people in the world are constant learners and they're very humble about what they don't know, right? And that obsession with learning requires you to fail all the time. It requires you to, because whenever you're learning something new, it's kind of delusional to think that you're going to be good, right? And there's a lot of biology involved where we're, we, we have uh, a fear of putting ourselves out there to the tribe, if you will, and failing publicly. Because if we fail publicly, then the tribe might think we're not valuable. And if we're kicked out of the tribe, then we might die, right? So it's actually a bite or flight, deep amygdala, like chemical thing that's happening in our body when we are putting ourselves out there and doing something new, right? And so we have to fight that with our prefrontal cortex. And I think that if you can change your identity from someone who's looking for validation from the outside world, and instead, my core value is I am someone who is learning. I am someone who does difficult things even when I'm afraid. I am someone who, when I'm fearful, I do it anyways. You know, uh, Jocko Willink, action cures fear, right? These types of identities are very, I think, a lot more foundational. They're actually, they're more uh, like bedrocks, right? Whereas if your foundations are, I hope that I get positive feedback, or I hope that no one makes fun of me, or I hope, you know, this, this is kind of the, the manifestation, I think, of pride, right? There's no, there's no such thing as deserving, right? There's earning instead of deserving, right? And uh, I would rather someone come to me and demand a raise or demand a promotion and then back it up and say, listen, you guys are, you know, not paying attention here. This, 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 like, give me a break. Like, you know, I'm, and I also have another offer. So by the way, this is your, this is your, I, I like these types of, I, and it doesn't, I, I, you don't want to do it publicly, but you know, for their management, I'm okay with people giving you ultimatums because it's not, it shouldn't be based in pride. And it's real obvious if it's not based in pride. It's, I learned this software and this software and this software, and I trained this person and I trained this person and I added this client and that client gave us a referral and that client gave us a referral. And, you know, they're, they're thinking about it in this very data-driven way, then, you know, that's incredible. That's good. Um, but that level of performance ironically comes from someone who is humble, usually. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a good. Now, now, this is all good when it's someone else, right? But when it's <laughs> us. Yeah. Because I agree with you that, that ego takes away from the team. It takes away from that. Uh, one of the things I talk about in one of my books on, on public speaking is it's not about you. So the more of a humble speaker you can be, the better speaker you will be because you're not focused on what people are thinking about me. Do people like me? Do I sound good? The moment you start doing that, you get your anxiety goes up and your connection goes down. So I'm all about that. At the same time, I realize that sometimes I get up there and I start thinking about what do the people think about me in terms of communication or in leadership 
I want to be recognized. So how have you, Jonathan, tackled the ego in this? Yeah, I try to think of myself as a vessel. I don't know the exact Bible verse, but and I got it from a, a, a movie with Brad Pitt. It was like um, like War Machine or something, and they're in tanks, and they're, they're in, in World War I, and they basically feel like they're going to die, right? It's kind of like inevitable. They're like passing around the whiskey, and they're like, okay, this is our last fight. You know, they're kind of being uh, it's a very somber part of the movie but um there's a there's a line and and uh one of the characters says um and i heard the word of the lord it doesn't have to be the lord it could be the universe or you know karma or whatever you want to think about it and uh he asked who will go forth whom shall i send and he said uh here am i send me and I have that written on my whiteboard in my office. And this to me feels like I've been given a lot of uh, gifts and my life hasn't been, you know, super simple, but you know, here I'm American. I speak English. You know, I have all of my limbs, you know, I have a you know, good relationship with my wife. I have this company, you know, it's been a, it's been a journey, but I, I think a lot of it is comes from gratitude and then feeling like none of this is earned. You know, J.J. Watt, like rent is due every day. And, and, and the rent is being a vessel for some greater calling. And even if you don't know exactly what it is, but I am just a, a vessel for giving value to the world. That's what a business is, should be, right? How can I give the most value to the most people? How can I solve the most problems for the most people in an efficient way? And if that is the goal and you're relentless and you're, okay with the marshmallow test and you're disciplined and you're okay with failing along the way. And, you know, and you eventually, you know, your company is going to continue to grow. It's like inevitable, right? But it won't grow if you're me focused, if you're I focused. So it's weird that in, in my life, the more that I focus on being a vessel for giving value, the bigger my business is and the more money I have. It's like very, you know, ironic what's that classic saying that if if you help enough people get what they want then people will help you get what you want exactly along these lines right here i'm in leadership speaker development that's my that's my thoughts i do workshops keynotes write 10 books coach executives coach people and my my way that i start my day you trigger this in me is i actually pray and i actually come from a judeo-christian background so yeah. and I pray, help me help people and very much help me help people. So even right now, my hope is in yeah. our conversation here that the audience is helped, but yeah. even anything that I can do for you. So that value, right? That, that idea, even though we can struggle with pride, I love what you're saying here is go back to your motive and go back to that daily gratitude, the awareness that everything that you have has been given to you. Uh, it's a very interesting. There is a, a place in the Bible that talks about this, that everything that you have, be careful that when you have everything, you don't go, look what I made <laughs> because you started a starting point and yeah. something, something was given to you. So I think that's a great, great way to tackle the pride. And then we're, we're boosting people up and we're elevating them. And the more we can elevate them, the more we get lifted up. What kind of things are you doing in your companies to develop people, obviously mentor box, it is development, but 
what are you doing? What systems in, do you have to train people? So a lot of it is an automated um, like coaching schedule. So uh, the CEO, Rana, has a weekly meeting with all of the top managers and executives where she coaches them. Um, I have uh, a weekly meeting with some of the, you know, fewer, but some of the executives as well. Um, whenever we have a new product or service that's within the first six months of this company, we have a lot of departments. So when we add a department, um, the leadership of that department will have um, a biweekly meeting with me. And, you know, all we're doing is, you know, some, if we have to screen share and they need to pick my brain on, you know, project management or something, then we can do that. Or if it's more of a soft skill thing where, you know, they're having trouble hiring or whatever it may be, I'm basically a consultant for them. I'm like, I act as a consultant, an automated consultant for every department in my own company, if you will. And so does the CEO of the company. Mm-hmm. We also have um, uh, three weekly uh, book clubs that are happening in simultaneous. So we have uh, different levels. So we have team leader level, and then we have a manager level. Um, and then we have the, the entire company level. And there's always three books that, you know, of course, with MentorBox that we're reading. Um, and then I come on, uh, we have a, like an all hands for that, that group or that level every single week where we discuss the book and how we can apply it to, um, to our departments and our lives as quickly as possible. So, uh, you know, between the three departments, we, we go over 150 books a year in the company. So we're, yeah, so I think that's how we automate it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, you're not reactive is what you're saying. You're proactive as well. Yeah. You're putting in a system in place. What topics are you going into again and again with these books? What areas are you trying to train your employees in? Yeah, it kind of runs the gamut. We have an internal culture team and we have an internal training team as well. So, you know, they're kind of take the lead on that. And like, I'll give you an example. So last, um, when we, when we switched kind of our internal frame from being more, let us know what you need and we'll be able to help you to, we are a digital marketing agency that can be consultative and tell you what you need. This was a, 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 a switch because uh, me and my marketing director, you know, we are on podcasts and we speak and, you know, we're fluent in digital marketing and basically everything to do with digital marketing and funnels and paid ads and social media and, you know, everything thereafter. And so there was you know, just full transparency. Sometimes there was a gap between we would be consultative on the you know, partnership call, right? But then once the specialist was, uh, was brought on, there was that specialist felt like they were under them right? And they were just, hey, I'm willing to help. I'm skilled. I can help. I'm willing to do anything. But I think that there was a a gap between the expectation of the client, Mm -hmm. but, oh, this person is going to come in. Yes, of course, they're going to have the skill of, let's say, video editing, right? Just as an example. But not only that, they're also going to say, hey, I think we should do this and this and this, and because that's what I would say, right? I would give advice and consult all the time for their company, and they kind of wanted someone that was both a video editor and, you know, more of a business consultant as it relates to their media, right? And I said, there is no reason why all of our specialists can't be that. They can't be also experts. And I think that they are inherently, and we train them to be, but the communication sometimes is like, this is my boss. I don't want to step on toes, right? And that, so that dynamic, you know, if that dynamic isn't established right away, then 
you know, over a long period of time. So anyways, we, to answer your, your book question is we, we had a whole series and uh, a two month long series where every single book was about funnels and digital marketing and growth and uh, you know paid advertising and you know we 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 did all the Russell Brunson books and you know we did all the Donald Miller books and we wrote we we talked about copywriting and funnel theory and you know CPA and CPL and LTV and you know AOV and you know all of these numbers that an ad buyer might know but maybe a graphic designer that's trained in graphic design that doesn't necessarily mean that they're a funnel expert right and so we said well let's make all of our employees funnel experts as well so we did that for a while but we also do soft skills like you know the obstacle is the way or extreme ownership or uh, last week we actually had an all hands about the metaverse and um like what's going to be on the cutting edge of of the metaverse in terms of digital marketing so that we're like billboards in the metaverse and that sort of thing so that we can be um staying on the cutting edge of that as well so you know it, it depends it varies week to week if i were to to go back to it <laughs> industry specific some soft skills yeah and then going in which i would say soft skills have a hard edge they perform <laughs> for sure soft skills and then this other one of niche or featuring or something coming up relevant to what's going on what is and this is my final big question is what challenges do you see in employee development because sometimes we can talk about it like this and it could just seem like yeah, he's got it all figured out. It makes, he's like, Jonathan's on top of things. He's, he's got it handled. He's perfect. But I have these challenges. So what yeah. challenges have you faced? Are you facing in raising up the team that you want? I would say our biggest challenge right now, we're hiring um, on average one person a day. And the challenges that we're facing is that we have, you know, an internal manager for every three to 10 employees. So the hiring of 30 people a month is, you know, we've built a system for that. And so I'm confident in that, but hiring and training three to five new leaders a month, that's a different level. So I would say, you know, it's, an, it's a unique problem because we're growing so quickly and, you know, we're on a growth curve. Um, yeah, our problem is is finding that you know ten or twenty percent that really are, you know, energetic and ambitious, and 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 making them realize. And I think that our our internal training is probably uh, lacking. I mean, we're working on it day to day. But is this idea of like being the best graphic designer does not mean that you are a good leader of graphic designers, right? Or being the best copywriter doesn't mean that you're a leader of copywriters because once you get to a certain level. If you have you know, 50 copywriters under you, you're not doing any writing. Yeah. You're not doing any writing. Your job is no longer to be a writer. You're never writing anymore. It, only insofar as maybe you're screen sharing to teach a class, you know, to all 50 of them and say, hey, this is how I would make this headline, you know, more compelling, or this is how the subject line can be better. So you might use your skills on occasion as a teacher, but you're not a practitioner day to day. And getting people to kind of buy into that, oh, no, I don't really have to do graphic design or video editing anymore. Now I have to make sure that 10 people are doing it correctly. So now I'm a leader. Now I'm project management. Now I'm HR. Now I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm development. That's our current um, biggest problem. It's a good problem to have, but it's, that's our biggest problem. 
raising up leaders quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's uh, a lot of feedback, a lot of training, a lot of mistakes, <laughs> a lot of a lot of fires that happen when you're yeah. putting a lot of things up. Well, that's incredible. Well, congratulations with the success. And really, thank you so much, Jonathan, for being on the show. I, I really appreciate your thoughts. And I love that we took it in some different routes. And, and for people, the show notes will be on YouTube. Also, at connect.mikeacker.com. You can get those at length there for free. And we'll put some links there as well. But thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it, Jonathan. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And to all of our listeners and watchers, thank you for tuning in, checking this out. Thank you so much for sharing this, subscribing, liking, and passing it on to people. Until next time, this is Mike Acker. Thanks for listening to Advance with Mike Acker, a podcast designed to provide an edge for leaders through improving practical leadership skills and increasing confidence in speaking. Mike is a best-selling author and business owner who has helped many leaders increase their skills and their confidence, propelling them to new heights in their personal and professional endeavors. Join an incredible group of professionals taking the steps to become better leaders at connect.stepstoadvance.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. listening to Masters of Employee Development. Do you know someone who would be a great guest? Send them to mikeacker.com forward slash apply. Do you want the show notes? Go to connect.mikeacker.com. Until next time, subscribe, rate, and give a review on Amazon or iTunes or your favorite platform.